Force O'Neill, thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 390 now of the Ron and Don Show. And we, of course, are on the Ron and Don Radio Network live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring today's show. Spring tire sales on, so let's get out there. Also, Mitch Dot Loans, Ron, uh, doing a great job for everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, right? Yes, there's a special program right now where you can save one half percent of your loan value by just for mentioning Ron and Don. Yeah, and don't forget, we are on the springboard right now of real estate. Mortgage rates are going up. In fact, we're going to talk about what that means. Could it be a good thing? That mortgage rates are going up. If you need us and want to talk about it personally, one-on-one, we do something called a Rondon sit-down. We talk virtually for a couple minutes. We find out if we're good partners. If you're selling something, I'll come out and see you. And if we're buying, well, chances are we'll get on the phone with someone like Mitch.Loans and we'll get you tuned up and ready to go because you need to be underwritten in a market like We this. would love to do a sit-down with you. Like Contact me directly, ron at windermere.com, and I will set it up. All right, so we're going to talk about mortgage rates soaring. We're also going to talk about the fact that, well, I teased in the last episode that being in a thruple or embracing the poly lifestyle seems to be a thing right now. Or is it always been a thing and we're just in our evangelical Christian Catholic culture? We've just been in denial. We're going to talk about that. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Introvert versus extrovert. Uh, Ron, you've been doing some research on this, and I think people would be really surprised to find out if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. What have you been finding out? Well, there's an interesting column that was written this week talking about this. And the misconceptions and sort of the pitfalls of of identifying strongly with possibly the wrong thing. So, in other words, if someone like like you said, if you, if they look at you and go, "Oh, well, Don ha- off the charts extrovert," like he's got to be like, like big personality, and I've watched his videos on Instagram and, and Facebook, and huge hand gestures, and he wears you know mirrored glasses. Of course, he's an extrovert. Um, and so, if you then internalize that and said, "Of course, I'm an extrovert," and you're always putting energy out and you're always being uh, this big personality. You always feel this pressure to fill up the room. Eventually you could find yourself sort of running into a brick wall where you're like, wow, why am I feeling this way? I'm supposed to be an extrovert when in reality, maybe you're not. Mm. And so they said, there's one question on this and is what energizes you? Is it when you are around people and you are being, uh, you know, this big personality or is it energized when you spend time alone and when you maybe are walking through the woods by yourself or riding a bicycle by yourself or whatever it is, or is it a combination, uh, in between? And, um, I found this to be really interesting for me and for you, um, in our years being on the radio, This version that you're hearing right now, it is Don and I, Sure, but it's a heightened version of Don and I. Like we don't have this level of energy most of the time when we're talking. We can carry on a regular conversation. There'll be pauses. 
there'll be contemplations. The energy level waxes and wanes. We're doing a, a concentrated. This is like orange juice concentrate. Red lights on, and we got to go. Red lights on. Right. Doesn't matter what's happening and, today in radio. You got a four-hour afternoon show to go, and the dog died, or your son. Uh, just wet his pants at school and somebody has to go pick him up. It, it doesn't matter when the red lights on, you got to go. So we're, so we, we, are, people, we are red light trained. <laughs> when I, when I, when they would meet me in person would expect for me to be the life of the party and to, I would have people and it used to drive me crazy. Even at family functions, it'd be like a Christmas or an Easter thing. And they would go, Oh, do the radio thing. And I'd be like, we're at the, we're at the Easter table here. And what are you talking about? So I found that I am less extroverted than what people perceive me to be. And that I don't like the pressure of someone demanding that I be the version that they think that I am. Yeah. And so this thing of what energizes you, yes, I can be energized with the right people, but I do not crave that spotlight. Uh, and we both know people in the media that need the spotlight. They need the attention on them, and that's what gives them energy. Okay, so let me ask you some questions. Uh, so this will be interesting to me. Uh, and, and some of these are shared experiences. We, we do a thing where we sit down with people initially, and we find out if we're going to go on this journey in real estate. And then lately what we've been doing is I either have people over to my house for a Sunday supper, or we go out and have supper, because I grew up where you have supper, not dinner. On, on like a Sunday. And we just did that with Scotty and Mary. Scotty's my dear friend. He's a great architect. Uh, and Scotty and Mary, I've known for years. We lived on the same street and, and we're also their real estate agents. And, and he's my, I'm sitting in a house right now that, that Scotty helped design. Uh, and he's a great mentor to, to, to me when it came to building this house and just giving me the courage to build other things. So the, the, the question is, we went to dinner the other night it was a very elevated conversation that you and Scott were having and you guys were talking cause you have a lot of similar interests and you were uh, talking about everything from craft drinks to bands you loved. In fact, I think we talked about going to see a band uh, history books, you're reading podcasts. Just everywhere. There was this great conversation going on at the table when you got up and be honest, when you got up from that, were you wiped out or were you energized by it? I was energized by that. Yeah. Were you uh, wiped out? Wiped by? out. Yeah. Okay. Ready to just go be alone. Ready. Uh, I came home and jumped on my Peloton bike. It just, it, it just, it, it, yeah, it, it wiped me out. Uh, when you go to a concert, right? What's the last concert you've been to? I went to see John Mayer. Okay. Uh, and, a lot of people went Yeba. to that show. I saw it was phenomenal. So a great show. How did you feel after you walked out of the John Mayer show? Um, I felt energized because yeah. I'm a guitar player. Not a very good one, but and I was I didn't realize that Yeba was the opener. She's like my favorite singer, a new artist of the last probably two or three years, and so I was just pleased to that I saw it. Yeah, I'm I'm wiped out after a concert. Like I I uh, I I can be completely just just wiped out, just wiped out from it, which is interesting to me because because big people think because I have a big personality that big crowds energy. It's one of the reasons I had to stop teaching spin class. Because when I teach, I'm, I'm all or nothing. I'm not a dimmer switch. I'm a light switch. And I know that about me. I've tried more as I've gotten older to be a dimmer switch, especially with my son. You can't be a light switch parent with a child. You just can't. Uh, it's not fair to them. And it's certainly not fair to yourself. It's not fair to anyone. But so as I've tried to become more of a, of a dimmer switch, I still have to recognize what charges my batteries. And sometimes I'm doing so much output, right? I have four different businesses I'm a part of. And, and you're involved in a couple of those. 
It's a lot of output. It's a lot of output. And I had to look at my life as I was going through counseling and say, where, where is the, where is the input? Like, where is your, in-? and therapy really helped me with that. Cause that, that was a time where I would go and I would get input about the things that I was doing. And one of the things I was doing, I, it's insane. I would get up at four 30 in the morning. I'd wake my son up. I would take him to, this is school day, take him to spin class with me. Here I am teaching at 5.45 in the morning, still getting him home on a, uh, on a Wednesday, Friday, and a Saturday, and putting him in his gear and getting him off to school. When, when I started to take some vacations from that, people in my class, because I teach with a whistle, it's drop saddle, it's very, very different, they would always text me and complain or send me, where, where are you? And it's like, I'm... I'm I, I felt like I had to apologize and make excuses. And it's like, well, I'm not there. Like I'm, I have another life and, and my life is not being that of a spin instructor. And, and people start getting mad at me. And, and then when I said I'm retiring and I'm done, people really got mad at me. And I'm like, you know what? This, this, this is good for me to walk away from this. This is good because, and, and what I found, and I'm sitting right next to my Peloton bike in our studio. Like I like riding that thing, but I don't like riding that thing in a class. I don't, I don't ride with any of the other instructors. I ride with myself. I have my own playlist that I've made as I was going through counseling. And I'll show you this. These are, this is all my music on all my playlists. And I would have some really important things happen in the early days of the counseling that I started. And so here's an example of Nice. When when I was really going through hell in my life and really addressing uh, some things that needed to be addressed, um, I would I I would make these playlists, and that's when I started trail running. That's when I started riding my Peloton by myself, ride my bike by myself. Sometimes when my son's not around, I will put on a headlamp and go to Discovery Park at twelve o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. Don't tell my mother this. Because that's when Charlie can run free. Nobody's out there. And I put on my headlamp and I go run 4.53 miles. I am energized by that. If it's snowing, even more energized. If it's raining, if there's mud, if no one's out there, it is so exciting to me. So exciting. I was in here last night uh, riding this spin bike by myself, riding to day 51. And what I just showed Ron is I have day 51, day 3, day 153, day 200, day 205. On these days where I was really working through some things. Um, and I have some of these days taped up, uh, I think it was day 225, I ran a marathon. And and I have that day uh, in, in my clock. That's what gets me going, is those times where I'm alone, I get recharged, I, get, I, I have lots of input, do lots of reading. I don't get lonely being alone. And then I'm prepared to come here and do the podcast. Then I'm prepared to be a parent. Then I'm prepared to go to war for people when it comes to real estate. Then I'm prepared to get with my partners and go demo a house, whatever that is. The best demo days I've ever had, though, are late at night by myself in a house with my crowbar, my sledgehammer, uh, with a sawzall, a helmet. Those are some of the best times for me. I would walk out of the John Mayer concert and I would be exhausted from that. Yeah, and that's an interesting insight. I think people, if you've never taken stock of that, or if you find yourself always feeling depleted, you might be misclassifying yourself. Yeah, and might need to uh, just say, "Oh, 
Interesting. I always thought of myself this way. Clearly, the evidence says that I'm not. Yeah. All right. Super cool, you guys. See you on the other side. Hey, you guys. So what is your story? That's what Ron and I have done on the radio for decades and here on the podcast is we tell people's stories. And you know what? Chances are, if you've lived here in the great specific Northwest, as my son likes to call it, you probably have a Les Schwab story where you've stopped by, maybe you bought some tires from the other guys. They fix it anyways, and they send you on your way. Or... Or when you go to the other guys, not only do they charge you, they're like, yeah, we can't fix your one tire. You need 12 tires. And you're like, but I only have four tires on this rig. They upsell and upsell and upsell. You don't have to worry about that at Les Schwab. Hey, and here's something cool. They're celebrating the fact that they've been around now for 70 years. And Ron, everyone could go out and win a $700 gift certificate. How do you do that? Yeah, you go to leschwab.com, tell your Les Schwab story, and enter to win. And that's just a great way to get 700 bucks. While you're online, schedule a free pre-trip safety check. Uh, we're in the dead of winter. We're going to go into spring. You should just get stuff checked out. It's a safety visual inspection. It includes your tires, wheels, alignment, brakes, shocks, and struts, all absolutely free of charge. Schedule your uh, safety check at leschwab.com, or you can stop by your local Les Schwab store and just tell them Ron and Don sent you. Les Schwab Tires, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. You can just tell that they uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we you know we got we got some some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, the, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that you know, Dawn's just down the street is is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Dawn Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. To the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right, cool. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. It's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, if you've been on a dating site, and I've been on Tinder, I've been on Bumble, and on those sites, as you're going through and you're reading, uh, what a lot of women who maybe I would date in their in their 40s and 50s, they they write, "I do not want to be part of your thruple. 
I don't want to be part of your poly. I don't want to be your side gig, your your side, your side, your side squeeze, side something. I don't want to be your side side something. It's a cool word. I forget what it is. Uh, anyway, and I'm sitting there going, why would why would you write all these things? And then as I've dated a couple of people and you talk to them, uh, and I've been on and off these sites over the years, uh, it's always interesting. Because even if you don't find a good partner, I, I have some really good friends. In fact, one of my friends, I have a completely platonic relationship with her. And I probably met her, you know, five years ago on, on one of these sites. And, and she, she's, very, she's very fit. She's very successful. She's a great mom of a couple boys. And, and so as, as I've gotten to know her, she's, she's, she said that there's a lot, you see a lot of men out there that and, and that are recruiting women for thruples and they're also which is which is a, a, actually a three-way relationship and they're also recruiting them for threesomes i understand the threesome and any guy that would say boy to be to have sex with two beautiful women at the same time would be horrible for me i don't believe them okay because you're a guy and i think most guys if they were telling the truth they would think at one point in their lives that would be amazing on the other hand, trying to have a thruple, I can't even have a relationship with one woman, let alone having a relationship with two women or three women all at the same time or a couple having a relationship with another couple. That sounds like a nightmare to me. I don't get that and understand that. I will say this, though. Uh, I was married one time for a couple months and it didn't work out in my 30s. And it's because the person I married was still married to someone else. And there was a little bit of this going on in her life. Uh, and then I lived with someone for a number of years, like back in the 90s. And since then, I've dated, but I haven't been married. I've been in some long-term relationships. But I have to say, being in those long-term relationships, and, and from time to time, especially as the relationship has gotten longer, there, there has been some infidelity. Some infidelity on my part, and also some infidelity on my partner's part. Usually when the infidelity, and I'll just be honest, and I've never shared this before. Usually when the infidelity happens, though, it's when you both know it's over. You're both lying in bed, and you're lying on the completely opposite sides, and you're just, you're, you, you are checked out. And you don't have the courage to say, this is over. Now that I've gone through therapy years later, I, I have the courage now to say, hey, I don't think this is working out. I think we may be great long-term friends, or maybe we're not going to be great long-term friends. And, and, and this is over. It takes some courage and some therapy. It did for me to kind of to kind of get there instead of just letting something kind of kind of linger. But I do think it's really interesting. Uh, when I used to spend a lot of time in the church, and I worked in a church for about 10 years when I was very, very young. I remember people, and especially ministers, young ministers from other congregations. Uh, it was always kind of amazing to me that when they got in trouble or they got fired from a job, it's usually because they were doing something that was outside of their marriage. And some of them have been doing that for quite some time. I think it's more, and, and, and people can shoot me down. I think it's more natural and it's easy to date a couple people. Like say, let's say you date someone that's a great athlete and you date somebody else who you have great conversations with. I could see somebody doing that, but trying to date all three of you, trying to date at one time, that, do, that doesn't make sense to me. Being in more of an open relationship, and I don't mean where you're dating 16 people and they're dating 17, but where you're like, hey, you know what? You live in another city. I live in this city. You're going to date someone there. Chances are I may date someone here. So, let, so let's be open about that. I think that's harder to do. I think it, 
Well, I don't think, hang on. I don't think that's harder to do. I actually think that's easier to do. I think it's harder to be honest about it because we feel a lot of these pressures growing up in really a Calvinistic society, going all the way back to the pilgrims and the 13 colonies. Let's face it. Men and women have been doing thruples and threesomes for a very long time. The, even it's, it's all throughout the Bible, right? So, so, so really, I think it's more natural than people think. I think the hard thing, is walking down an aisle with someone you're 22 and you say till death do us part and here you are 85 and your teeth are sitting in a glass uh, uh, on, a, on a side table uh, by the bed and you are uh, sitting there uh, trading shots of Metamucil together and, and, and you've made it. You've gone 50, 60 years in a marriage. I think that's incredibly hard. Uh, in some cases, I have great respect. In other areas, I don't have great respect. Sometimes people stay together, and I saw this in the church, and pastors would tell women to stay with men that were being abusive, especially domestically, and the best thing that they could have done is gotten out of that relationship. I think it's interesting. Sometimes you look at Europe, uh, and in the way that people date and marry there, sometimes people have a mistress, or sometimes they have a, a side, uh, women have a side, whatever that is, a side, I, I, what a side... What is it? It's not side, it's side something. So somebody write me and tell me. But nonetheless, usually Ron would be looking at his phone and bail me out here, but he's, he's not doing I mean, it. I'm enjoying listening to this. Uh, yeah, but, I, this, but, this uh, but I, see, I see, you know, people date someone in their 20s and 30s. And the person you are in your 20s and 30s may be different when you're 40s and 50s. So maybe you date someone else. By the time you get to my age, though, like I'm going to be turning 55, maybe it's by the time you hear this. You're just kind of stuck. The merry-go-round stops, and you're just kind of stuck with whoever you're stuck with because you look around and everyone's falling like flies. Everyone's getting cancer. Everyone's dying. So you just kind of hang in there and do your best. But I think it is more natural than people think to date other people simultaneously at the same time. Uh, I don't think monogamy is for everyone. I think it's very difficult and hard. And for the people that can do it and do it right and do it well, I have great respect for that. And I'm still up for it. Like for the right person, uh, I have certainly been monogamous for years in my lifetime. But for the wrong person, hell no, I'm not going to be monogamous. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you do see this if you're on dating sites. So the ethical non-monogamy is is the label that people usually put on it. And I think that it's um, – I'm glad that it exists. I think a lot of people exploit it. Um, for the wrong reasons and and they're just trying it on for size and they don't really know what the ramifications are and, and i've joked about it the same with you of like oh i can barely date one person i could date two having said that though and i'm sure both of us o- over the years because i was married as well divorced and so we've we're probably been in the dating pool longer than most people that most people there are people you meet that it's like wow on paper this is great it's like this person's smart, they're attractive, what you know, you go down the laundry list and you go, but you know the 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 sexual desire maybe is not all the way there. And it's like it's nobody's fault. It's just like we were, we're very fond of each other and it's everything else clicks except for that one thing. And so we, if you're ethically non-monogamous, you could say to them, "Hey, you're great. I know that you think that I'm great. Like we love hanging out and all these things." But for the the maybe a sexual spark, 
I'm more attracted to this, or you could try to navigate that. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of trust. That's right. It takes a lot of, um, you know, I, the people that are on these dating apps that are out there saying it, Hey, this is what I want. I'm, I'm trying to do this. And I look back at some relationship I've had, or was like, that person was great. And I probably in a different context, I would have stayed like, it should have stayed together longer. And, and some of it did come down to, to sexual chemistry. And so in our society, most of the time, if that's not there, you flush the entire thing away. And I think that that is hmm. sad in a way. And if there was a way to be more on it, maybe I should have been more honest about it, more honest of saying it, it hurts their feelings, though, to say, wow, we don't have that energy, except I still really am fond of you. Is there a way that we could navigate that? And then you have to go, well, what, what is it about me? And sometimes it's nothing. Just like, Hey, you're great. Maybe there just isn't, maybe we, our, our pheromones don't match up or who knows why it doesn't fire on all cylinders. So if you can, people that could navigate that and be honest enough about that and not take it personally, there probably is people that are successful at that to say, Hey, I want to, I have this thing that turns me on. Maybe you're not into it, but you're great in these other nine categories. I'm going to, I want your permission to go do that. And I'll let you meet the person and not that all three of us have to date or there's all these to go do what? So maybe they've got a fetish or maybe they have a, a certain thing that turns them on that this person is either unable or unwilling to do. And instead of, you know, subjugating it and then being doing behind their back, they're saying, I would like to do this out in the open. Yep. I would like to be honest and ethical, quote unquote. The ethics says to me that I want to disclose this. And, and the risk is that it could blow that primary relationship up. But you're willing to put that on the line and say, I want to be ethical with you. I have this other set of desires. Yeah. And we all know people. I was just talking about this with a, a, a friend of mine. There have been high profile things where all of a sudden, uh, a married person is like you're caught at a massage parlor or you're caught with a prostitute or you're caught, you know, with the babysitter or whatever, Gavin Rosdale. And, and, and so you're the nanny and you're like, okay, you blew up something that was really good mm. because you couldn't go to your significant other and say, Hey, I love you more than anything in this world, but there are times when I want to do this. Are you open to that? And if they, it's, if it's a hard, no, that's a different conversation, but just saying, well, I don't have the courage to bring that up. And so therefore I'm just going to go do it on the down low. And then you're guaranteeing you're going to blow something up when you do it that way. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans, who's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. And Mitch, I want to ask you this because I'm sure you get it every day, just like we do. People want a crystal ball for the Puget Sound area real estate market. What's going to happen in 2022? When is the right time that I should buy? When is the right time I should sell? All of these questions, I, I get why people want to ask them, but from a, the finance mortgage side, how do you approach that? How do you think about that? Uh, because some of these things are unknowable, but people still want to know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I do sound a little biased, but I trust me, I'm not. Um, the right time to buy is now. Rates are predicted to go up 
just steadily for the next year or two. They've been pressing them down somewhat artificially, somewhat just due to the economy, but rates are down and they are not going to stay that way, which means money's cheap. But unfortunately in this King County area, there's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So waiting might not be the call. As you wait longer and longer, there's all this tech money coming in. And even if rates go up, there's still going to be able to be people who are able to buy million dollar, $2 million homes. And there are a lot of them. I work with a lot of couples who both make 150K plus a year, right? right? And that buys you a lot of house and it will continue to buy a lot of house. So buying now before there's too many of those people is huge. You don't want it to turn into the next San Francisco and have missed out on buying your first home. So in the mortgage community, people are forecasting some rises coming in 2022. What does that mean for the sellers where they're saying, I want to put my house on the market right now and then buy something else? Uh, again, we can't time the market, but what we can do is say, here's what we're seeing, right? Yeah, what we're seeing is selling's really easy, buying's hard. Okay. And unfortunately, that that may not change. It may change, um, but in the in the short term, sell, it's a seller's market, and gotcha. it has continued to be a seller's market. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. You can get him at Mitch.loans. That almost said Mitch.weeks. Mitch.loans is his website. Mitch.loans. Tell him you're with Ron and Don and you save half a percent on that new loan. Mitch, we appreciate it. Uh, the case study today. Yeah. Switch to Mitch. All right, you guys. Welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. And mortgage rates are flying right now. And Ron made a good point the other day. He said, you know what? Mortgage rates going up. Money is supposed to cost money. This might actually be not only a good thing, for the economy, but listen to this. This might also be a good thing for home buyers. I said home buyers, and home buyers have not had good news in a long time. Ron, that seems like an oxymoron. Mortgage rates are going up. I want to buy a home. I'm going to have to pay more here, or am I, over the life of that particular loan, considering what the ultimate price of that house is, when it comes to all the escalation that we have seen for hundreds of thousands of dollars due to the fact that there's just not a lot of homes out there that are on the market nationwide. Yeah, I think it depends on how you look at things and what your orientation to the world is. For me, uh, again, I don't expect for money to be free. When, when Don says or when I say uh, the cost of money, that's the cost of going out and borrowing money. And like I said before, and I'll say it again if you didn't hear that episode, this money doesn't appear out of a rainbow. When I go and I borrow, let's just say a million dollars, because that's about the price of a house in King County, uh, the average price. If I'm going to go borrow a million dollars, the million dollars doesn't descend um, with a leprechaun in a little basket and that million dollars appears. Someone else in, in America or the world has a million dollars and they are letting me use the million dollars instead of them using the million dollars. I don't expect for that to be free. I don't expect for just their goodwill to say, hey, here's a million dollars. Go have fun with your new house. They deserve to get paid for that because they no longer can use that money to buy something for themselves. They're letting me buy something with their money. And so the fact that it has been historically low for so long has been a boom and a boon to uh, real estate, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. That cannot go on forever, and it shouldn't go on forever. And here's where it is good news, like you said, for buyers. Because this money has been so cheap for the last couple of years, that has incentivized people 
to max out what they can afford. It has also incentivized people that want to buy a second house or a vacation house or a rental house and to speculate a little bit in a market that's been increasing dramatically. And so all of those buyers were enticed by what? By the low cost of money. And so now that that's gone up, maybe they go, ah, well, at, at two, two and a half percent interest, I was willing to risk this money. But now that it's at four percent or four and a half, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to maybe put it in the stock market. I'm going to take this money and I'm going to invest it uh, in a REIT. I'm going to take this money and do something else with that money. And so there's going to be a certain percentage of those buyers that go away. Now, there's also going to be buyers that say, hey, if my pay- monthly payment, they're not necessarily concerned about the absolute interest rate. They go, I'm together with my partner. We can afford $3,200 a month. That's our maximum mortgage payment. That's what they really care about. They don't necessarily care if it's uh, at 3.5% or 4.5%. That's what they can afford. They, they, they work solid jobs. They can afford that, that payment every month. And so for them, it just means adjusting the house adjusting the target a little bit. Maybe they were looking in this neighborhood and now that the interest rates went up, they move three miles farther in a different direction. And so to me, that's a good thing because it's going to hopefully, as time progresses through 2022, it's going to release some of the pressure uh, for these buyers. And it, it is tough out there for buyers in the Seattle market because of all the stuff we just described. And so I'm hoping they get a little relief because it's my my strong belief that home ownership, as you said, is the quickest path to building a long term legacy for your family, and um, and and a lot of people that have been renters for a very very long time want to get into this, and so they, I, I hope, can get into it now. Yeah, yeah, and and really, when money costs money, it really helps even out the economy. It is supposed to slow down runaway inflation, which we have right now. We don't have stagflation. We have just runaway inflation. We had stagflation under Jimmy Carter. We are in a completely different position here because under stagflation, the whole country was stuck. Main Street and Wall Street, stuck, stagflation. Well, right now, especially for those that have more, and they have invested, let's say that you're invested in the oil fields or uh, the oil reserves in places like Louisiana, or you're investing money in fracking in North Dakota, you are beginning to make money hand over fist once again, because we just turned off 10% of the oil that we naturally receive and normally receive from Russia, right? And Europe is really going to hurt here kind of moving forward. So nonetheless, I'm not an economist, but I do know when money costs a little bit of money, it's actually good for all of us. Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of The Ron and Don Show. If you want to reach out to Mitch Not Loans, all you have to do is mention The Ron and Don Nation. Yeah, to get one half of the percent of your loan back to you, and he'll explain to you all the different ways you can do that. But there's a way you can save money on the cost of money. Yeah. Also, don't forget, if you need tires, need brakes, need struts, need shocks, just send your car checked out because you know uh, you're going. You're heading out this summer on a big trip. I know I'm going to do that with my son. Lots of driving. Make sure you stop by 
at Les Schwab Tire Center. They'll look at your rig for free and make sure that you're road trip ready. The other guys, yeah, they charge a lot of money for that, you guys. Also, I want to thank Ron and Don. I love those guys. I cannot say enough good things about both of them, especially the one that used to be blonde. I'm always amazed, man, when I get my hair cut because I'm in denial and I look down and I'm like, "How? it looks blonde to me in the mirror. Right. And then in my hand, it looks completely gray. What is going on here? That's my thing, too. It's like I have dark hair and then when the, in the barbershop, yeah. I'm like, who's this gray-haired guy? Yeah. And by the time you listen to this, I think my son just turned 12 and I hit the double nickel. Did you see my double nickel challenge? Check it I out did. on my Facebook page. The double nickel challenge is seeing if you can curl. And I don't mean a hammer curl. I mean those curls that you turn at the top, the curls for the girls. Yeah. Uh, eight of those 255 pound dumbbells. I that was your challenge. The other challenge is to do one. What? Like the other people. Everyone could do one. I'm going to try to do eight. And All I right. don't, I, and I did a little. How much can I arch my back? Oh, I'm going to throw them. I'm going to do whatever I can. Yeah, I'm going to throw them. Don't think I'm not. So anyway, thanks, you guys, for being here. Thanks for supporting us. Ronadonsitdown.com if you need us. Let's sit down today. Thanks for allowing us to be your broadcasters, your friends, your neighbors, and your realtors. Till next time, keep your head up, keep your shoulders back, and we'll see you right here. Are they? On the Ronadon Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.